0: Uh, now, now you can probably hear me better. There we go. All right, here we go. So, adult Sunday school. All right, welcome. So, the king, of, the, the king of the celestial city, he uses evangelists to point Christian to Christ. Christian is on his way to the wicked gate. Remember, Tim helped us out last week by saying that the wicked gate is a small or narrow gate, and that represents Christ. Jesus identifies himself as the narrow way. So in Pilgrim's Progress, the Wicked Gate represents Christ. So, enters Mr. Worldly Wiseman. After Christian is pulled from the slough to spawn, the text says that he walked alone for a brief period and he spotted a man in the distance. This man also knew that Christian was coming Mr. Worldly Wiseman had spotted him in the text. Well, my text says that Mr. Worldly Wiseman had some suspicion that this is who that it was because news had traveled not only from the city of destruction but to um, Mr. Worldly Wiseman's city called Carnal Policy that Christian had fleed from the city of destruction. So there is a little reputation that Christian has left. And Mr. Worldly Wiseman already knows about it. So, Mr. Worldly Wiseman approaches Christian, and initially, the first thing that he talks about and makes reference to is this ugly burden that's on the back of Christian. So, Mr. Worldly Wiseman says, Why are you traveling, Christian, in such a burdened manner? And if you remember, the burden doesn't represent sin per se. They're, they're, that's a, that's a big misconception amongst people who read this book. It doesn't represent sin, but it's the burden of sin. It represents shame. It represents doubt that accompanies sin. So Christian tells Mr. Woolly Wiseman that he's on his way to the wicked gate, to the place that will rid him of his heavy burden. And then we have many Mr. Woolly Wiseman's in the world. Would you guys agree to that? absolutely. You probably know and have met some. Um, and uh, Mr. Worldly Wiseman, what he wants to do is offer Christian some worldly, carnal advice. And he does, it, he does this first off by asking Christian about his family. Remember, Christian just got up. He left his family. And um, His family thought he was crazy. His wife, Christiana, thought that he was crazy. Talking about this wrath that is coming, that he has to flee from the city. He plugged his fingers in his ears and he ran out of the city. He had to leave. He had to get out. Okay, so Mr. Worldly Wiseman brings up Christian's family. Not only that, but Mr. Worldly Wiseman brings up how he just heard about this burden. Well, how did you know about this burden? How did you get it? And Christian responds that he read it by, or he found it by reading a book. He discovered his burden. The burden came by reading a book. And who remembers what that book is? The Bible. Absolutely. Very good. So, Mr. Worldly Wiseman responds, thank you, Tim, responds to this mention of this book with much disgust. In fact, he says it like this, the same thing has happened to you as to other weak men who meddled with things too high for them. They are suddenly distracted and confused just like you, Christian finds this book. He reads this book. Uh, God makes the words of this book alive. There is uh, a illumination that's given by the Holy Spirit. He's able to understand, I must flee from this place. Judgment is coming. Wrath is coming. I must go. Mr. Worldly Wiseman says, you meddle with things that are too high for you. Now you're confused. You don't know what's going on. So, Of course, there is other advice that Mr. Worldly Wiseman offers in this encounter. And this is what he suggests. Mr. Worldly Wiseman says this, there's another way to have your burden relieved. You don't have to go this way. This way is way too hard. This way is filled with much despair. I heard a quote once that said that the devil can't make hell attractive, so he makes the road to hell attractive, right? Well, the road to hell that's attractive is what? Easier, right? That leads to destruction, right? Denying yourself and taking up your cross, difficult, okay? So, Mr. Roly- Wiseman offers another way, another solution to be relieved from this burden, not only that, but he would be free from dangers. He would be met with safety, friendship, contentment, and have his family. So, Mr. Woldy Wiseman suggests that there is a village. This is what you need to do. Forget, forget the wicked gate. Forget this friend evangelist. He probably doesn't have your best interest at heart. Forget that path. This is the path you need to go on. And this path is called Village Morality. This is the town that you're going to go to where you're going to meet Mr. Legality. Mr. Legality is an honest man. He's a judicious man. He is a caring man. And he rids burdens like you have, not only your burden, but he's cured other burdens from other pilgrims. So this is verbatim almost what Mr. Worldly Wiseman tells Christian, And not only that, but he encouraged him not to return to the city of destruction. So yeah, don't don't go back to the city of destruction. Yes, of course, that place is bad. Go to the village morality. That's where salvation can be had. So, not only that, he said, everything you need for a happy life is that village morality. So he offers Christian five things. I think this is one of your blanks, one of your spaces. He offers him burden. Relief from his burden. Relief from his burden. He offers safety. Friendship. Contentment. And companionship with his family. Now tell me, brothers and sisters, is this something, are these five things Relief from shame and doubt, your burden is gone. Safety, security, friendship, companionship in your family. Is that something that the world can objectively give Christians? No. Think about it. How do we have our burden gone? It's through Christ and Christ alone. How can we have safety Not being able to be plucked out of the Father's hand or Jesus' hand through Christ alone. How can we have friendship? Well, Jesus, because of what he has done, not only are we heirs, but we're brothers. He is our elder brother, he is also our friend. There is contentment in Christ. And also, there is a family in Christ unlike other families where take a look around you so these five things that the world mr worldly wiseman offers christian it's very itchy to his ears so of course christian fell for this he was influenced by mr mr worldly wiseman so christian heads to the village of morality Mr. Roley Wiseman says, it's at the very top of a hill. You can probably see it up there. If, If he is not home, if Mr. Legality isn't home, his son, Civility, is there. He's also a really cool dude. So if Mr. Legality can't help you, his son, Civility, will surely help you. So be on your way. And Christian took off. And there he went. But this is what he found. The hill was a whole lot higher than what it seemed and it was difficult he was supposed to climb and climbed he did on either side the text says that there was flashes of fire and thunder not a good place to be not a good place to be not very safe right so the village of morality as he was going up the hill to the village not only that but his burden became bigger and his burden became heavier so the village of morality represents, this is a part of your blanks, it represents people who seek to escape God's judgment and practice good apart from Christ. In other words, you can put a parenthesis besides that if you like to, this is the path of works-based righteousness. These are people who hope that their good works, being good people, you can't see my quotation fingers, all of you, doing good things will outweigh their sin. And all will be right in the end, and their consciences will be at ease because of the good they have done. The mantra is, You tell me, is this alive and well in the world? Be a good person, all will be well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, this is who the village of morality represents. Civility comes into play. Remember his son, civility. Because um, this uh, being good is also virtuous. In other words... Be good to people with decency and benevolence and all will be well. Don't be ugly to people. Be kind to people. Do good things. Be civil. All will be well. There is salvation there. Okay? In other words, when you take your last breath, God's not going to ask you but one question. How did you live the life that I gave you? I did a lot of good works, God, and I was civil to people. Can I get in? Absolutely not. We must remember, Augustine says this, and I think I'll quote that there for you, grace is given not because we have done good works, but in order that we may be able to do them. We know that good works are important in the Christian life. In the same way, let your light shine before all men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And of course, in the book of James, faith without works is dead. Works are important, yet our good works do not merit and cannot merit ever salvation. So Mr. Legality also makes me think of legalism, okay? And I once heard a story of uh, a person who had membership at a certain church, and this person could not tithe because he was in between jobs, so the pastor came to him and said, since you can't tithe like you're supposed to, we're going to need you to go mow the lawn. How do y'all feel about that? In order for you to maintain your membership in good standing, you can't give. Go mow the lawn. And it was a command. So this person did it because he esteemed his pastor highly. Also, if you walked into church wearing anything but slacks and a long sleeve shirt tucked in with a tie, you couldn't gain entrance. Okay. There are churches like this out there. Some of you may have been rescued from some churches like this, perhaps. So I think about legalism whenever I hear the word Mr. Legality. So I thought it'd be good to list just a few points of what legalism is. It's good to be mindful of these things. Legalism is attempting to be justified, right? Or sanctified. What's the difference there? Justification, sanctification. Justification is for the unbeliever, right? Becoming a believer. Sanctification is for the believer, right? So legalism happens in both cases. It's your ability or attempting to be justified or sanctified by one's works. Another point about legalism. It suggests that our worth or our worthlessness, our self-esteem, our self-satisfaction, or lack thereof, rest upon your works. Going and mowing a lawn for the church. That's where your worth is. Point number three. Attempting to gain assurance of salvation, assurance of salvation, is a beautiful thing unless it's false assurance of course attempting to gain assurance of salvation solely or primarily on the basis of the sign of outward works in other words i'm not feeling very safe today i better go out and do some good works now is doing good works a good thing yes absolutely can doing good works embolden that assurance that god knows you and is known by you. Absolutely. But one flows from the other, not one to the other. One flows from, not flows to. That makes sense. Can we have somebody, let's read some scripture this morning. Let's go to God's Word. Galatians 2, 15 through 16. Galatians 2, 15 through 16. This is under the umbrella of village morality. Whoever gets there first, or the first person who speaks up, would you guys mind reading that? Thank you, Rich. very good thank you rich no one is justified by works alone it is only by faith in christ and then in galatians 3 the galatians were like super confused and not only what they were what they're trying to do is they're having a christ plus kind of faith Paul gives them this rebuke. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or hearing by faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And we've already read this passage, and it had it exposited by Joel, Hebrews 9. Listen to what Hebrews 9, these last few verses, have to say. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with the blood not his own, for then we would have to suffer repeatedly, since the foundation of the world but as it is he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the the sacrifice of himself and just as it had been pointed that man should die once and after that comes judgment so christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who eagerly wait for him so all these, Galatians 2, 3, Hebrews 9, man cannot solve his own problems. Striving to do, to, to do good cannot remove sin. It can't remove the stain of sin. Only the cross of Christ, only his blood can atone and remove sin. He did that once, for all, sufficiently, and he will come again to deal with his people as we are waiting for him. Come, Lord Jesus. So, Christian goes down the wrong path in fact in the book that I have he is like clinging to the side of this mountain looks really scared and then once again a faithful pastor praise be to God comes to his aid so evangelist comes to his rescue I mentioned in week number one that John Bunyan was a Calvinist he was a kind Calvinist we should all be kind Calvinists. But Bunyan believed that God is the one who sovereignly saves and graciously brings sinners to faith in Christ. So, I'm not sure how many of you guys are reading this at the same time that we're going through it in Sunday school, but have you noticed God's sovereignty at work in Christian's life? And if so, how? Maybe we can have one or two people mention that. Have you noticed God's sovereignty at work in Christian's life? And if so, how? Tim. And, uh, Lyle, um, Absolutely. And who does help represent? Or, sort of similar to Very good. Right. Very good. What what is another another way that you see God's sovereignty at work in Christian's life? Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, yes. Amen. So godly pastors Being sent by God for some admonishment and some kind correction to put him on the right path. Absolutely. Tell me this. Maybe one or two can mention this. What are some ways that God has displayed his sovereignty in your story of faith? How has God displayed his sovereignty in your story of faith? This is what we're excited to talk about, people. Tim again. Well, for me, I, I came from, uh, uh, at least in my parents, a
1: godless family. Mm. Anti Christian, atheist. And yet, me
0: and my brother both came from the Lord for no apparent reason. Praise God. Amen. Praise be to God. Any other person? David. Yes, me mm. what they are living unsatisfied unsatisfied God Amen. Amen. Very good, brother. So, at this point, as uh, Nathaniel's brother, I forget your name, sir, but as Nathaniel's brother mentioned, right, brother? Yes, yeah. The pastor evangelist gives a little rebuke. Let's look at this just for a minute. So, I'm gonna read a, a small section of it. Evangelist to Christian. I want you to think about a pastor being faithful and his calling and his mission to have these little corrections, this admonishment. Not always fun for the pastor, but absolutely necessary. Evangelist goes, aren't you the man I found crying outside the walls of the city of destruction? How is it that you turned aside so quickly? You are going the wrong way. I want you to think about, you know, maybe how you would have responded, or maybe responded now. But I know that if I were told something like that, and actually, you know, it was like in 2012, whenever a pastor similarly told me something uh, that he lovingly told me, um, and I did not receive it well. Um, So Christian receives this message, and... uh, he receives it well praise god so christian proceeds to tell evangelist just how worldly wise men tricked him and then Evangelist again the godly pastor responds this way stand here so i can show you the words of god so we have this faithful pastor who in obedience to god to shepherd the souls of men finds christian okay Gives him this little admonishment, this, this correction, tells him something that might be painful to hear. You're going the wrong way. Go this way. Pursue Christ, the wicked gate. Get off this path, son. But not only that, he says, stand here so I can share with you the words of God. So I, it, it, it's, we have this beautiful picture. Of this pastor communicating the truths of God, words that are living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, evangelist paraphrases Hebrews twelve twenty-five, which says this: See that you do not refuse him who is speaking to you. Again, talking about God calling Christian out of the city of darkness or city of destruction, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth? Much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. Evangelist also mentions this, You are the man who is running into misery. You have begun to reject the direction offered by the Most High, and you draw back from the way of peace. You are teetering at this point, being in danger of eternal punishment and damnation. Again, this godly pastor communicating these hard truths that, praise be to God, that Christian receives. This is soul care. This is a wonderful image of counsel. And I'm thankful that Bunyan even included that in here. So, we have, beloved, a world full of Mr. Worldly Wisemans. They have an appetite for the doctrine of the world. They believe that their way can save more so than the cross. They question the truth of God's word, and that's something that Satan's been doing uh, since the beginning. He still uses it today. So, since Mr. Worldly Wisemans are all over, they give terrible, unbiblical advice to weary pilgrims What should we do? Well, the advice that evangelist gives Christian is what I'm going to be giving you guys this morning as well. There's three points. Three points that evangelist helps prepare Christian and us for the worldly wise men of the world. So evangelist tells Christian this. You must despise Christ. Mr. Worldly Wisemans, and you can just put, I realize that's a long word, it's a long word I've been saying this, this entire time. It's, you must despise his ability to turn you from the way and the fact that you have consented. So you must despise that he's trying to lead you away from Christ. And you must despise that you actually fell for it. Point number two. You must detest his zeal to make the cross of Christ offensive to you. You must detest Mr. woldy Wiseman's zeal to make the cross of Christ offensive to you. It was offensive to Christian or he wouldn't have never left that path through the wicked gate. Point number three, you must hate the book's words The fact that he told you to follow the way that leads to death. You must hate the fact that he told you to follow a way that leads to death. There is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it leads to death. Proverbs 14. So, man, I'm doing great on time today, guys. I'm so happy. So, we have a conclusion. Whenever I have my, I, we, in, in, in sixth grade, at, at the class I teach at the school, this is what we read second semester. And I'm not sure if you guys maybe, uh, if you're uh, in a, a co-op kind of setting, there's a, there's a website, I think it's called Reformation Press or Reformation Heritage but it has Pilgrim's Progress that's written out kind of like a play, or a production, where it has like instead instead of it being in a narrative form, a book form, it's got the different parts. So what I typically do is is I will assign different students a part. They'll read it and we'll like kind of act it out during class, and it's really fun because um, they get to use their personalities and all their interesting voices whenever they're portraying different people um, they get a kick out of it um so we finally in this long uh, rebuke or admonishment by evangelist to christian and whoever gets the part of evangelist man they're really loving it because it's so long and they're giving christian a rebuke in class so evangelist rebuke concludes and christian ask one question And perhaps, this is a question that many of us have wrestled with in the past. Christian goes, is there any hope? May I go back on the way that leads to the wicked gate? Or will I be abandoned and be sent back in shame? Can my sin even be forgiven? Christian to evangelist. Evangelist responds, Again, the faithful pastor, your sin is very great. You abandoned the way that is good, and you have chosen forbidden paths. Yet, again, thinking about Brandon's sermon that he had a couple weeks ago, about but God, right? The yet is good. Yet the man at the gate will receive you, for he has goodwill for men. So, the same is for me, and the same is for you, if you are in Christ. There is hope for me and you, despite our sin, because of the King's mercy. He made himself known to us. He made the wicked gate known to us. He made his Son known to us, Jesus Christ. And because of the faith and the repentance, two gifts that he has given, we will never be abandoned. He will receive you, and the reason that is is because he says in his word in Romans 8, this little encouragement, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate you, beloved, from the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the journey is long, your sin is great, the king is good and merciful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for our time this morning. Lord, I pray that you will impress press upon our hearts these truths that we are more depraved than what we actually think we are. But Lord, you are more merciful Lord, you offer again and again your kindness to us. Lord, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins whenever we confess our sins. And you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you for never leaving us and never forsaking us, never abandoning us because of our sin. Lord, we thank you that your son Jesus Christ died once and for all sufficiently his blood covers our sins our sin he paid the price for his righteousness we receive we thank you for these truths lord may they encourage us may we think about these things whenever we are carrying our own little burdens on our back from sin and from shame and from doubt perhaps may we run to your word to see and to read beautiful truths that will put us back on the right path. We thank you for Pilgrim's Progress, and we thank you for the life of John Bunyan. And may we continue to be encouraged by beautiful works such as these until we take our last breath. And in your son's holy and precious name we pray, amen.